Hello and welcome to the Culture Swally, a podcast dedicated to Scottish news and pop culture. My name is Nicky and I'm joined as always by the man who has been surprising his family this week by jumping out of cupboards and jumping out of doors dressed like a ninja. It's Greg. How are you today, Greg? <laughs> very well, very well. You can see uh, the or today's film didn't didn't uh, inspire too much imagination when it came to this week's introduction. Well, I, I didn't want to say that you tried to top yourself in a bowl of cocoa pops or something. I thought that was maybe a bit of a dark way to start. So uh, yeah, I had to go dressing like a ninja. I, I did think about saying, uh, and I'm joined by the man who shares a mutual friend uh, with me who also likes dressing up in women's clothing, but. Uh, <laughs> I think we'll discuss that probably at length later on in the podcast. So, yeah, indeed. Uh, so how are you? Have you got good listener? We are recording this on the opening day of the World Cup. Have you got World Cup fever? Because I know I fucking don't. <laughs> um, I don't have. I don't have World Cup fever in the traditional sense of like enthusiasm and um what's what i'm looking for enthusiasm and anticipation of mm. an exciting tournament i've more got world cup fever in the more traditional sense of the word fever in that it's every time i see anything about it it makes me feel a bit queasy <laughs> just because <laughs> uh not for any uh not for any sort of high horse um sort of um human rights reasons just because as a frequent visitor to qatar I know that they're going to make an absolute James Blunt of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm a bit fed up of hearing about it, to be honest. I know, it hasn't even started yet. It's yeah. just, I mean, it's bizarre. I mean, okay, we'll get over the fact that it's Christmas. We shouldn't be having a fucking World Cup, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, World Cup's about going to the beer garden and, and watching the football. It's not about drinking eggnog and getting your cosy socks on to to watch it but despite all that it just it just seems like a bit of a damp squib and it's nothing to do with the fact scotland aren't there i mean christ we haven't been there since 1998 and even then i've I've always looked forward to to tournaments and you know so it doesn't matter that we're not there but it just feels a little bit damp i mean i don't know once we finish recording i will go and watch probably the opening ceremony and i will maybe watch a little bit of qatar against ecuador (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to see if the Qatari bribes did work and Ecuador do lay down. I mean, I really uh, hope that the Ecuadorians alleged, took the money. Alleged, hang on, alleged bribes. Alleged, oh, sorry. Bribes. Alleged bribes. Okay, I mean, I really hope that the Ecuadorians did take the money and then they end up thrashing them 5-0. <laughs> but then they'll end up in prison. So that's yeah. probably... Um, anyway, yeah, allegedly end up in prison um, for the alleged bribe. But never mind. So let's see how the, the shit show continues. Uh, in Qatar. Yeah, it's just not very, um, you know, like the Qataris evidently are sort of changing the rules every day, uh, the sort of rules of attending. The, the big news just the day before yesterday was that they've decided at this late stage that they're not going to allow people to drink in the stadiums, which, you know, it's a bit late to be to be sort of bringing that in sort of yeah, two days yeah, before it kicks off. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, you know, you live in the Middle East and I lived there for long enough as well that i am not surprised by the kind of last minute decision to just do that and, <laughs> yeah, then, well, and that's either. it <laughs> and that's it can't do anything about it yeah done yeah, i know it's all over um and i did laugh that you know you obviously they, they can drink in the fan zones but it's limited to four drinks per person <laughs> for the day so that to avoid people getting drunk which is fair enough but also it's not really a 
much of a, a carnival atmosphere, is no, it really? No. Like the World Cup's meant to be a, a proper little bubble and wonderful kind of occasion, but this is just going to be an absolute disaster, I think. Yeah. So it's it's probably why Scotland chose not to qualify because exactly. we didn't want any part of that. So that's yeah. that's obviously why we're not there. They seem to have this sort of irrational fear of hooligans as well. And they, I just, I can't imagine. Obviously, England are in the tournament and, you know, England sort of carries a bit of a stigma with, with some of their fans over the years being involved in uh, trouble um, around the world when they've gone to these, these tournaments. But I just, I can't help feeling that the average guy who likes to have a tear up at the football was, you know, and I could be wrong about this, but I can't imagine he's going to have the money to go to Qatar, one of the most mm. expensive places on the planet, just, yeah. to, just to have a fight. It <laughs> <You know what laughs> <I mean? laughs> doesn't seem particularly likely. I, mean, I, I can't speak no. for other countries' fans, but, you know, I've watched a few documentaries about hooliganism, and obviously you, you and I were big fans of the Football Factory film with, <laughs> uh, back in the day. Um with that old Danny Dyer, but um, yeah, I just uh, I just can't see it to be honest. No, no, I agree. I don't think it's uh, I, I, there's not going to be a huge amount of uh, mm. of fights. I would imagine. I would hope not. Anyway, um, let's just hope that football wins at the end of the day, and everyone <laughs> has a lovely time yeah. and enjoys themselves, and that Germany win. So that's all that matters. <laughs> I, w- I was going to ask you on a totally unrelated matter. So last night, um, my wife was out. Uh, my youngest daughter, it's my, my youngest daughter's birthday yesterday and she had a busy day. She was knackered. She went to her bed early, leaving me and my older daughter. And um, she's been listening to uh, Adam Buxton's autobiography, his audiobook. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, he talks on that about uh, Alien, the film Alien, and how when it came out, it was like this sort of... Uh, it was a it was a big deal, and he remembers the even the poster being scary, and it was a bit of a it became quite important to him when he was young to try and see this film. Mm. So my daughter noticed last night when we were trolling through looking for something to watch that I I downloaded Alien off iTunes a while ago, so I could have all the because I I like Alien a lot. So we yeah. so she, she wanted to watch it, and I was a bit worried because you know like, if you think about like a modern Marvel film, for example. Mm-hmm. There's, Something big and exciting happens every twenty minutes, right? We we, yeah. we we went to see Wakanda Forever last week, and it's a long film; it's like two and a half hours long. But something exciting happens like fairly regularly. Whereas with Alien, it's a very I, I, I don't want to say slow because I don't think it's slow, but it's a very sort of gradual build up, and yeah, you know what I mean. It, 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 it takes there's a lot of conversation, there's a lot of sort of kind of utility scenes of the crew eating together and talking mm-hmm. about like shares and bonuses and everything. And I thought to myself, there is no way. Like my daughter was born in 2008. And so I, I said to her, listen, we can watch Alien, but you got to promise not to look at your phone at all when mm. we're watching it. you got to put your phone down. Because we had been watching Zombieland before that and she couldn't stop looking at her phone. So um, I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but it really fucking pisses me off if I'm watching, <laughs> if I'm watching something with somebody and, they're, and we've made a choice to watch it together and they're not paying attention. Like, yeah. it, it really fucking annoys me. It, it, it's annoying me just talking about it. <laughs> so anyway, so she did. She 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 
she didn't quite keep her promise, but she was pretty good. You know, like, okay. you would hear like a little vibrate and she would have to pick her phone up and have a glance at it. Um, now, unfortunately, we only got to the part uh, where um, Parker smashes uh, Ash. Sorry if you've not seen Alien, but it is like a fucking... It's, like a, it's, a, four, it's a 43-year-old film, so I was spoiling it for you. But when uh, Ash is, re- is revealed to be an android and uh, Parker smashes him up with a fire extinguisher or whatever... And then yeah. she, she was like, like, I need to go to bed. I'm too tired. But she, <laughs> as she said, can we watch the end of it? Like, I was like, yeah, sure. So, but she was she was enjoying it. I was quite surprised. I, I wasn't sure that um, it would resonate with uh, somebody um, of her age. But um, she was able, it held her attention, even the slower bits. And uh, she um, she was able to kind of watch it. So my, I guess my question is, do you think if she enjoys the, the last sort of half an hour or so that's left, do you think we should go on to Aliens? I mean, Aliens is, a lot more exciting and yeah. action packed though isn't it, I mean, it is, it's yeah. definitely um it's a it's a very different film from alien yeah i mean definitely i i would mm-hmm. go on why not yeah watch aliens then watch alien 3 which yeah. mm. is underrated i think it's actually yeah, yeah. it's gets a bad rap but it's actually all right it's not I'd, a bad film i think i'd like to see the fincher cuts of alien 3 because apparently yeah he didn't have the final say on it so what, what, yeah. what other sort of films which would have been important to us when we were sort of 14, do you think it should uh, been steady on? <laughs> but what other films, <laughs> films are, um, are important? Porkies. <laughs> 14, do you think I should try and introduce her to? Um, I mean, that age to me, what was important to me? I mean, you've got the obvious ones in terms of, like you said, it's alien, aliens. Um, yeah. uh, I mean, for me, Clerks was a, a big, I, mean, I was yeah. really slightly older than 14. And again, that's quite a slow it's not a slow pace, but it's a lot of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, well, of course, you're looking at Tarantino around about that age. So you're looking at yeah. Reservoir Dogs or Pulp Fiction. Yeah. They're, you know, great films that, um, I don't know if she's seen them, but no, she's that, would not. Be a, that would be a good start. I mean, uh, yeah, I think Pulp Fiction. I mean, obviously there's a lot of bad language, but it's, um, I'm sure she's fine with that. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, I was thinking of, the, the thing is, like, watching a film with her, Violence is fine to watch mm-hmm. together. You know, she's sort of mature enough to see it for what it is. But and it, this is as much my hang up as hers because I was going to let her see Ameri- an American Wolf in London. Any sexy scenes yeah. are just really uncomfortable for both of us. You know, I can I mean? imagine. Yeah, I could. No, I could imagine that would be a bit awkward because I was actually going to suggest what about train spotting, and then I thought actually maybe not. Um, well, she, <laughs> she can watch that on her own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'd, okay. So I won't be suggesting like American Pie or um, <laughs> no. I mean, <laughs> anything along she watched, those lines. She watched the uh, Super Dra- S was it Superfly? Um, I noticed she was watching it when we were in the car when we were driving from Nuneaton to Leeds in the summer, and I was like, because oh, I mean, nothing really. There's a lot of like, like fairly suggestive conversations. Just, you mean just say the least. Su- super bad. Super or, bad, sorry, yeah, super not, bad. Yeah, not super fly, not the old black exploitation movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much the opening scene is Jonah Hill's character discussing which porn site he's going to subscribe yeah. to, and the line that always sticks with me is like when he says, "He like I like to see the dick going in." That's like, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so like, so a little bit of suggestive conversation, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> Like, so all those kind of films, I think it's better that she watches by herself. Um, she, yeah. she, she did quite enjoy Zombieland um, like, when she wasn't sleeping. I didn't have to keep telling her to put her phone down. Um, so maybe we'll 
we'll do Zombieland 2 next weekend. Yeah, have you done like Shaun of the Dead? Yep, the Shaun, yeah. Shaun of the Dead. She liked that. Yep, she really liked that. Um, yeah. What about what I'm getting from this is you're not showing her a lot of Scottish films, which is, you know, <laughs> not a great advert for this podcast. So I should probably say, have you tried her on Shallow Grave? Or there's no sex scenes in Shallow Grave, is there? No, no. Uh, Kerry, uh, Kerry um, thing may gets her breasts out right near the beginning. Um, but yeah, no, there's not any, any sexy scenes. Would that be awkward for you? Or would you be okay with that? Because it's not a sex scene, it's just <laughs> yeah, a, a no, breast. I think, but I think it'd be obviously okay. you'd have to put the cushion over your lap at that point, <laughs> I would presume. But you'd, uh, you'd be okay otherwise, yeah? yeah? I'd, have my, I'd just have my baggiest joggy bottoms on for that. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you're looking for inspiration, you just have to go back and look at our previous 60 episodes and then you can pick a film that she would enjoy. I mean, if you're looking for a a slow-paced, lovely film, then what about Local Hero? Yeah, Yeah. I was thinking that. Yeah, maybe. She must have watched some Scottish stuff. I mean, she likes, she really likes Still Game. She's watching that. It's just Hmm. some Netflix out here. She she likes that. It makes her laugh. Um, So yeah, we'll find some stuff. We'll find some Scottish stuff. Okay, right. Uh, Shall we have a look? at what's been happening in the news in Scotland this week, Greg. I think we better. Uh, cue the jingle. Hello, this is the Outer Hebrides Broadcasting Corporation and here is what's been going on in the news. Okay, Greg, so what have you seen in Scotland over the last week that has caught your eye and you want to share with me and our wonderful listeners? <laughs> well, it's been a while since we've had any sort of scatological stories in the, oh, in the podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one comes from the Scottish Sun on the 16th of November. Uh, the headline is, Poo done it. Someone broke down my gate and left a poo in the garden. I'm livid. An angry Scot has hit out at a mystery motorist who who kicked down their gate and did, <laughs> and, and did a jobby in their garden. <laughs> the incident took place last week on Halbeath Road in Dunfermline in Fife. It was just after the Scottish Cup match between Dunfermline Athletic and Celtic. It's understood that the source of the poo was a football fan who was leaving Dunfermline's ground after the game. The owner of the garden said they witnessed them enter their garden in what they believe was an emergency situation, judging by the consistency of the offending poo. (laughs) Too much information. They then removed the gate and its hinges from the post before relieving themselves on top of the gate (laughs) instead of on the grass, which was nearby. Uh, The offender then did a runner, leaving the poo for all to see. Taken to social media, the property owner has given the culprit the opportunity to correct their misdemeanour and clean up the excrement. They also claimed that they have CCTV footage of the owner of said poo. The post said, To the person that done a jobby last night at the side of my building on Halbeath Road, based on its consistency, it's clear that this was an emergency situation. However, you've not only taken the gate off its hinges, but also taken the hinges off the gate in your panic. You've then chosen not to turn on the grass, but use the gate that you knocked down as your toilet. It was after the PARS game, uh, for anybody 
this thing overseas, the Pars is Dunfermline Athletic's nickname. It was after the Pars game. It just watched you go into and put the what well, it just watched you go into and put over the bathroom and then into your car that was parked immediately in front of my CCTV camera. I would appreciate if you come back with a bucket of water this evening to resolve the situation. <laughs> um I, I, I would, <laughs> there's no follow-up uh, article to say whether the guy came back. I suspect he probably didn't. I would like to think that maybe the reason he chose the gate was because maybe he was thinking, well, it just means that the owner can just take the gate and sort of bang the shite off it into the bin or whatever. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe maybe that's given him more credit than he deserves. Um, yeah, but then he's kicked the gate off its hinges <laughs> yeah. and then... Taking a shit on it. Like, I talk about a dirty <laughs> protest. That's just insane. Um, I can only presume that he had a dodgy pie at the football or something. <laughs> possibly. And possibly. Yeah. I mean, I've never been so desperate for a shite that I've thought, I know I'll kick in somebody's gate and do a poo on top of it. In fact, I don't think I've ever done a poo. Um, outdoors <laughs> outdoors in that urgency. I mean, obviously, <laughs> when you're drunk, you know, I've, I've peed on probably many doorsteps and alleyways and doorways and probably yeah. some doorknobs and stuff thinking it was hilarious when I was drunk but um, I, I can't say I've ever been caught short of a poo no I've, I mean I've not I remember when I was little when I say little about <laughs> eight 27 <laughs> seven or eight um, but we used to live in um, in Rob Royston just outside Glasgow uh, on the Glendale estate and they were still building a lot of it so there was a fairly, like a much more relaxed attitude towards safety and security back in those days in the sort of early 80s on building sites. So we used to play on the building sites um, when all the men had gone home for the day. And I can remember a few times because I was worried that if I went home for a shit, my mum might not let me back out again because of what time it was. <laughs> So just uh, just sort of leaning up against the wall of sort of half-built houses and <laughs> relieving myself, just wiping my arse and whatever sort of was handy. And then oh, lovely, put yeah. your hand. <laughs> no, just like it was like any sort of bits of cloth or whatever lying about, you know, just oh, just a random bit of cloth lying around. <laughs> you wipe your arse with it. Jesus Christ! I was only seven. Do you know what I mean? That was <laughs> oh, well. That's all right then. <laughs> I don't know any better. So yeah, but no, I mean, as an adult, um, certainly, certainly not. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying that. Um, I, I mean, I can understand. I mean, I can't. Well, I can understand. I guess obviously the guy's just been desperate for poop, but there's no need to kick the the gate down. I I wonder if maybe he was positioning himself to do a poo on the gate, and then maybe he backed into it and it collapsed. Um, <laughs> Maybe. And maybe that's why it looks bad, is that maybe he sat in it um, <laughs> and then had to find a random bit of cloth to wipe his arse with. Yeah. He's, he's getting to his car like a, like a baby. Well, I don't know how much experience of babies you've got, but there's enough, a few times when my two were babies and you change a nappy and it'd be right up their backs. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> Just sort of, I'm sort of driving back to driving back to Glasgow with like shite all up his spine, you know. Massively regretting that curry pie that you had at uh, the Dunfermline match. Yeah. Oh dear. Oh well, that's a a lovely little tale to kick us off. Jesus Christ. I mean, I don't know if there might be more to it because it does seem quite a sort of targeted. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what I mean? And like the 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 sort of language that the guy uses who owns who's building it is he sort of like he sort of implies that he knows who the guy is and you know he's given him the chance to come back and sort it out i wonder if there's like a bit more to this so what you think this was done on purpose it was a a purposeful poo <laughs> it just seems a bit random doesn't it <laughs> you know what i mean I, I mean, there's no pubs. There's no pubs nearby that the guy could have sort of darted into. Well, you would think so, but I, I don't know. Maybe he's just when you've got to go, you've got to go. I guess yeah. that's the yeah, yeah. the situation there. Yeah. Well, let's hope that neither you or I or our listeners ever find ourselves caught caught that short. <laughs> that we've got to go to those lengths <laughs> to relieve ourselves. Anyway, oh, uh, so that's my first story. <laughs> What's your first story this week? Well, funnily enough, you've said it's been a while since we've had any scatological humour on the, the pod. Um, I think it's been a while since we've had any sectarian abuse and humour on the pod. So um, I'm going to take you from an article this week in Glasgow Live. And this is um, concerning a woman who hurled sectarian abuse at her neighbour and then spat on a police officer, has avoided jail. Anne Lindsay, 58, <laughs> made the remarks towards Michaela Hay at their block of flats in Bishop Briggs. Lindsay, now of Kirk and Tillich, shouted, You are a cow, and I'm going to get away with this. Cheerio, you're ten in a row, you f- bastard. Oh dear. <laughs> the lout, she's 58, she's not a lout, she's a fucking grandmother, like, she's not a lout. Uh, was later picked up by the police. Um, sorry, the light was later picked up by a police officer who was spat on by Lindsay during a tirade. Lindsay pled guilty at Glasgow Sheriff Court to breaching a bail condition by contacting Miss Hay. She also admitted behaving in a threatening and abusive manner as well as culpable and reckless conduct. Sheriff Stuart Reid put Lindsay under supervision for 20 months. He told her, it seems you've pulled yourself up. However, this is an alternative to custody. Uh, the court heard that Lindsay was granted bail for a separate matter in February 2021 <laughs> with instructions not to contact Miss Hay. Uh, the victim was in her flat when she heard shouting and swearing coming from Lindsay's property in May the 18th, 2021. Miss Hay recorded Lindsay making the sectarian comments on her mobile phone and then made a 999 call, which police officers attended and found Miss Hay visibly upset. Lindsay was arrested and she continued to shout and swear. She said, I... It's because of that wee grass up there, uh, in reference to Miss Hay. Lindsay then shouted at the flat. Now, bear in mind, the police are here at the time. She shouted, I'm going to fucking murder you. (laughs) (laughs) She then turned her attention to PC Linda McCafferty and said to her, and I'm going to do you in as well. (laughs) 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 She was taken into custody where she continued to shout and swear close to the PC McCafferty. As she did so, a bit of spit from her mouth came out of her mouth and landed on PC McCafferty's shoulder. Now, uh, to be fair, it sounds to me like she's just going mental and a little bit of spit's come out, whereas they're kind of positioning this as like she's spat in her face. It's a little bit of spittle has come on her shoulder, which is fair enough if she's having a tirade. Uh, (laughs) Callum Ross, well, you know what I mean, come on. (laughs) It's fair enough. (laughs) Callum Ross defending told the court that Lindsay uh, has moved um, since the incident and she's had time to reflect on her offending and what led to it. She is doing what she can about it. She's very candid and describes her embarrassment and shame 
As the result of her own actions, she is disgusted by her behaviour and is sincerely sorry. So there you go, Greg. Uh, you are a cow and I'm going to get away with this. Cheerio, <laughs> you're ten in a row, you f- bastard hey at least it's a good rhyme cheerio you're 10 in a row so um i wonder what football team and Lindsay 58 supports um <laughs> i mean there's no need for uh sectarian abuse but um i just found it quite funny i, I, I liked the little rhyme i think was yeah. the reason why and uh, it, it's more the fact it's a 58 year old woman <laughs> being arrested for sectarian abuse like as we've just said earlier we, we English football fans have this stigma about fighting and stuff. Mm. And when you think about sectarian abuse, you, you do generally, I would say, you think of like an older man um, hurling that around, not a 58 year old woman. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you would think she would sort of know better. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Well, you uh, think, yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, I mean, I, I'm not going to say that I find it funny because obviously it's not funny, but I find it so weird that. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that there's any justifiable time where sectarian abuse is acceptable. But the fact that you can now be arrested for it when, like, when I was growing up in Glasgow, <laughs> you know I mean? like everybody would have been in jail if you could get arrested for sectarian abuse back yeah. then. So you know, I just, but um, yeah, I just find it. It's just, I mean, I guess it's good that it's it carries well, it is, a penalty now for it that does. Sort of it is good because, I mean, effectively, it's a form of I mean, it's not racism. But you know what I mean? Yeah, it, yeah. It's the same kind of thing or xenophobia. Mm. It, it's you know you're insulting someone because of their beliefs and yeah. to use that word, you know, you fiendian bastard. That's holds connotations and it's quite heavy language. And yeah, I, I agree. I think it is good that that is mm-hmm. being punished. Um, but yeah, as you say, back in the day, it was kind of anything goes really. But um, no, I, I think it's commendable that people are being arrested yeah. and, and brought to task about this. Well, well I, like you, I'm, I'm always blown away by the inventiveness of football supporters when it comes to making up rhymes. Um, I remember back in the, I guess it would have been the late 90s, when Celtic were on for the treble, and then they got beat uh, by Rangers, I believe, and they they put the words, where's your treble gone to that old uh, 70s tune. Da, 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 da. Was it like, where's your daddy gone or something like that? Mm. And they had put that. What's your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite Terraces song that that we that we can say here without <laughs> losing other listeners? <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. One of my favorite. In fact, I've got two favorites. Um, I, w- I wonder if I should maybe cut this out. No, I'm gonna keep it. In. Fuck it. I'm gonna say it. Um, my two favorites are there was um, I was on. It was one of my first trips to Ibrox. Mm. And um, I was on the Aberdeen bus. And in the newspaper that day, it was Rangers had signed Michael Malls that summer, mm. the Dutch striker. And there was a photo in the newspaper of Michael Malls and his wife. And let's just say his wife wasn't the most attractive woman in the world. <laughs> and for pretty much 90 minutes at Ibrox, the whole of the Aberdeen support sang, Oh, I'd rather shag a sheep than Mrs. Malls. Oh, I'd rather shag a sheep than Mrs. Malls. Um, my second favourite was um, um, Hearts appointed a new manager. And it was Graham Ricks, the ex-England player. And he had um, served jail time for uh, having a relationship with, uh, it, it was like a 16-year-old girl right. at the time. There was something dodgy, though. Um, mm. And so he had he'd, um, 
done that. And his first game in charge of Hearts, he'd been obviously served his time back into football. Yeah. Um, his first game was against Aberdeen at Pitodri. And again, for pretty much 90 minutes, uh, the whole Aberdeen f- support sang Young Girl by Gary Puckett and the Union Gap. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to Graham Rex. And of course, you know, Young girl, get out of my mind. My love for you is way out of line. Better run, girl. You're much too young, girl. <laughs> <laughs> 90 minutes <laughs> so that's um that's my two favorites what about yourself <laughs> um, i liked i liked it when the when the hearts fans used to sing all the high bees have aids to the tune of seven nation army by the white stripes uh when they played a hip when they played hibs in the edinburgh derby but that was quite a good one <laughs> But uh, I don't know. I, I think I quite enjoy your uh, quite enjoyed your Graham Rick story. <laughs> we're not going to get any inventive chance at this World Cup, though, are we? No, um, don't think so. <laughs> I don't think you're not going to be getting any uh, abuse oh. of uh, of anything like that. So that's a shame. That's going to be so sorely missed. But yeah, um, you're right. It is always wonderful the the inventive chance that uh, fans can come up with, and it's mm. a, a kind of a underrated art, I think. It is. It is. I mean, I guess all it takes is like one person to kind of come mm. up with it and it can spread like wildfire yeah. <laughs> around the stands at like no time. It becomes like an instant hit. <laughs> you could reach more people at like a sold out Pataudry with one song than you could if you tried to put a song on iTunes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's a, it is a lost art because the, Aberdeen would basically sing the same songs every week and it's it, it's odd you know a new song that is it doesn't really happen that much nowadays which is a shame it's something yeah. that uh, that really needs to to kind of come in and and get boomed out that's uh, yeah. the thing indeed anyway never mind okay uh what else have you seen this week greg uh okay well another sort of swally trope is uh food and takeaways in particular we've had a few stories um i think one of my favorites was uh, batter man <laughs> in him up in inverness <laughs> It's an absolute belter. Um, This one comes uh, from the Scottish Sun again on the 16th of November. The headline means Pasta La Vista. I ordered from from a bizarre Italian takeaway. It has a a meal which is rated 18 plus on the menu and it sells... <laughs> and it sells cigarettes for dessert. So uh, this is by Anita Markov, uh, one a Scottish a reporter for the Scottish Sun. It says most Scottish people have tales of a takeaway in their local area with weirdly labelled dishes or an unusual location. But a pizza place in Glasgow takes the cake. With Scots lately taking to Twitter to share their experiences of the Italian pizzeria, which not only misspells its name but also has no pickup location. Uh, an artist called Kit said, it's one of the most insane online takeaways that I've ever ordered from. First off, it doesn't have an actual sit-in restaurant, which I suppose isn't that unusual these days. But the location of being directly under the train tracks is pretty unusual for a pizza joint. They're usually, <laughs> they're usually only open from half past midnight until 5am. <laughs> and all the- and all the reviews are from people who are absolutely off their faces at 3am. 
they then shared examples of some of the weirder items on the menu, including a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle-themed pizza <laughs> and a brioche burger with a curvaceous golden topping. Even stranger was the 20-pack of Benson & Hedges cigarettes helpfully, <laughs> helpfully placed under desserts. Uh, Kick was on to say, ah yes, my favourite dessert, Benson and, Ed- Benson and Hedges 20 King Size. While these were not given an age restriction, bizarrely, one of the food boxes was. Scott's reacted to the takeaway saying, this is... Hel- oh, hang on, I missed it. Uh, it says, while these were not given an age restriction, bizarrely, one of the food boxes was. Uh, Kit said, why is the spicy chilli chips box restricted for 18s and above, but the king pack of cigarettes isn't? <laughs> <laughs> Scott's reacted to the takeaway saying this is hilarious and calling the items on the menu feral. Despite its oddities, Kit would still recommend the pizzeria's food, calling it really class and much better than the American chains. So there you go. Uh, yeah, they've got, <laughs> they do a chips, cheese and coleslaw box. It comes with, hmm. it says it comes with one homemade coleslaw, um, spicy chili chips box, which indeed is 18 plus. Um, but I, all the boxes come with chips, uh, chips and <laughs> uh, chips and chicken tikka box. Uh, that's a tandoori chicken tikka Indian traditional flavour. Come with chips, <laughs> chips, cheese and coleslaw box comes with one homemade coleslaw, cheese and chips. It doesn't say what the ingredients are in the spicy chili chips box. It's just got the wee red chili marking it spicy but also helpfully the little green leaf saying that it's okay for vegetarians oh nice okay yeah. that's good yeah um, i mean 18 plus what does it come with a scud mag as well <laughs> maybe is that the i mean so at 20 years ago at 3 a.m i'd probably be looking for <laughs> a box of spicy chips and a jazz mag and 20 benson and hedges so just, i think i was born i was born too late <laughs> It's perfect. Wow. 20 Benson Hedges. Jesus Christ. Like, that's, a, that's a dessert. A brilliant addition to the, you know, well, once you've chowed down in your chips, cheese and coleslaw, you're probably wanting a, a nice little Benson Hedges yeah. and a quick leaf through the latest issue of Fiesta. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. I used to always buy like a like a like you know you know the fruit corners uh, yogurts. I I used to always yeah. buy the one with the little um, sort of chocolate balls in them, like a, a crunch corners or something like that. I used to always get one of them from the twenty four hour shop in Chapel Street <laughs> <laughs> to have to have after my pie. Never occurred to me to buy a packet of facts. How bizarre! I can honestly say I've never bought a yogurt from that shop. <laughs> like, it's bizarre. No. <laughs> The only thing I ever bought from that shop was um, pies, um, cigarettes, bottles of iron brew, mm. and obviously, occasionally, uh, pornography. Um, <laughs> that was yeah. it. I didn't, o- else. I didn't often buy a pie from there because the bakery was just up the street, and the pies at the bakery there was a lot better. Like the pies always looked a bit a bit dubious behind the counter, yeah. didn't they? Yeah, in there. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Mind. So that's my second little story this week. What's your what's your last story? Well, uh, as you know, Greg, and I'm sure I've mentioned on the Swally before, I am a big fan of the wrestling. So I have a wonderful story about a Scots wrestler this week. Uh, this is from the Scottish Sun. A Scots wrestler known as the Juggernaut <laughs> used his trademark power slam to fight off a drunk thug in a violent street attack, the court was told. <laughs> 
David Middlemiss claimed that he was assaulted with a bottle and punched and kicked whilst on the ground in a row over late night noise outside his home last year. The professional wrestler told a trial at Edinburgh Sheriff Court that he had been challenged to a fight by Tyler McKenzie after he had asked the lout to stop making noise. He told the court that McKenzie and co-accused Aidan McFarlane, both 20, refused to calm down and began throwing rubbish bags through his open flat window. <laughs> uh, Mr. Middlemiss is a Scottish wrestling champion, silver medalist, and he said that he was forced to go down the stairs to confront the pair, but ended up in a fight where he claimed he was attacked with a bottle. The burly grappler told the court that he managed to halt the violence by grabbing Mackenzie around the waist and running with him across the road, <laughs> slamming him into a wheelie bin. <laughs> Mr. Middlemiss said that he believed his life was in danger and following his running power slam move, the pair ran off and were picked up by police attempting to flee in a taxi. Mackenzie from Edinburgh and McFarlane from Musselburgh both denied the allegations and stood trial at the Capitol Court over two days. But after the trial heard evidence from four witnesses, the crowd said that it was accepting pleas from both of the accused to amended charges. McFarlane was acquitted of behaving in a threatening or abusive manner uh, by challenging Mr. Middlemiss to fight, and he walked free from the dock. Mackenzie also pleaded guilty to an amended charge of throwing rubbish bags at Grove Street, uh, Edinburgh, on July 11th last year. <laughs> the apprentice fire prevention engineer had... Uh, not guilty pleas to charges of assaulting Mr. Middlemiss with a bottle and to possessing a bottle during the incident accepted by the Crown. So they were forced to pay a total of £420 um, and to pay Mr. Middlemiss £400 in compensation. <laughs> so they've said that this was happened in July 11th last year. Mr. Middlemiss, the 30-year-old personal trainer, said he opened his window to ask the two men to stop making noise in the street, but he was met with a barrage of abuse and challenged to a fight. <laughs> he ignored the threats um, but then was forced to go down when they started throwing bin bags full of rubbish through his window <laughs> Um, Mr. Middlemiss, who at the time was training to make the Commonwealth Games wrestling team, told the court when he went down he was attacked with a bottle. He said he was knocked to the ground after he was punched and kicked to the head several times. And he said, if I didn't know how to operate carefully, I could have been killed. Mm. He walked towards me and I crouched low and picked him up and I had my arms around his waist, picked him up. He wasn't very heavy. Um, <laughs> I had one thing to do. And that was to subdue him. I had been bottled and punched and kicked in the head. I was in fear of my life. My intention was to run his back into the wheelie bin as hard as I could <laughs> to subdue him. It was the only option I could see. So, oh, wonderful. I mean, fair play. The guys, obviously, I can imagine these two little wee neds are downstairs um, <laughs> making noise. He's like, will you just quiet the fuck down? They've given him a mouthful of abuse, which I can only imagine. Um, he's probably left it. Then they've started throwing rubbish bags through his window. <laughs> and he's come down. They must have shit themselves. Like when he came down, they're like, oh, fuck. Because he's a fucking big lad. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a professional wrestler. He's a, he's a, a very big. He's called the Juggernaut. You know, it's not like he's called the, the Blue Midget or something. Um, You've got to think that obviously they must have shit themselves when they see him coming down. And then he's just picked him up and power slammed him in a wheelie bit. It's like. Well, that's the thing. Like, they've, they've had a go at him first. Um, but the thing is, the, he could have picked one of them up and like ran him into like a wall or something like that. But he's obviously thought, if I do that, I could end mm. up doing this fucking little fanny serious damage. So I'll, yeah. ba I'll, I'll bang him off a wheelie bin instead, which I would imagine 
would be quite sore anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, it's got to hurt. I mean, I've seen, uh, obviously, people getting battered with trash cans at wrestling. And it's, yeah. you know, they get up straight after, so they're fine. But um, yeah, to be power slammed in that <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I've often thought it would be such great to be, um, to have that ability, you know, if you just out in the street and someone gives you a bit of abuse you just give them an RKO out of nowhere or you know yeah. all of a sudden um, I mean, that was back in the day that was all the thing you know when we were into wrestling as kids in, in the playground mm. I remember because um, I was always quite small compared to some of the other kids so I was always uh, um, the target for um, people practicing their ultimate warrior gorilla presses and stuff because <laughs> <laughs> I was a bit light yeah. um, and it was all fine and no one got hurt until it, it did get banned because um, somebody did give uh, someone a DDT on the concrete and oh. um, <laughs> after that wrestling was banned from the um, the playground but I've always, often thought it there's would be there's always one fun. person that ruins it for everybody <laughs> exactly there's always one but I've never whipped out any um, wrestling I, I remember when I first started see my wife actually um and she she found out that i was a, a bit of a secret wrestling fan and she said it was fake and i think one night we'd had a few wines and we're a bit drunk and i ended up putting her in a sharpshooter just to, to show her that it wasn't fake <laughs> uh, sharpshooter being a uh... Right, the Hitman Hearts um, signature move, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So it's quite complicated, you know. You have to get their legs and twist them round, and then you sit and you kind of you're sitting on their back, pulling, and yeah, I shouldn't think it was fake after that. Um, I've just basically admitted I put my wife in a sharpshooter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, my my wife thought it was fake until I straightened her out. <laughs> <She doesn't work. laughs> My wife's quite small. She'd be good for practicing wrestling moves on at a custom It's maybe a custom before. Oh, there yeah. you go. You can um put on a perfect flex or something. <laughs> <laughs> Off the, the top of your gazebo, you can do a, a macho man elbow drop on her and see. <laughs> Still think it's fake? <laughs> right, get on that trampoline. I need to do a Hogan leg drop on you and see. <laughs> Nobody kicks out of this. Oh dear. Uh, but yeah, I mean, one of the people you don't want to mess with, you know, you, you've got to, and that's the, the funny thing of, of Ned's giving people abuse and then you're like, oh fuck, he's actually a, you know, professional MMA fighter <laughs> or something or wrestler. Like, <laughs> then you've got to be really sort of considering your, your choices in life when, yeah. uh, when you're confronted with that. I've got, uh, I've got a lot of time for people getting their comeuppance when, um, you know, they, that type of person just sort of upsetting the wrong guy or girl. Um, like, I remember uh, years and years ago when we lived in Colsaith, um there was two girls who lived next door to us. I won't say their names because one of them is now a counsellor in Colsaith. <laughs> but her, um, her younger sister, when she was at high school, she used to go to, um, she used to do karate and uh, gymnastics and she was like fit as a fiddle. I've not seen her for years, but I'm sure she still is. And uh, there was this guy tried to grab her when she was walking home from school and she flattened him. <laughs> and then she went straight to the police station and she was able to describe him. And the guy was picked up really quickly because his, his eye was fucking purple. <laughs> and she, she had broken his... Uh, his pinky and one of his hands as well. When he when he tried to grab her hand, she she grabbed his hand and broke his pinky and then twatted him one. So the guy was 
The guy was arrested pretty quickly. It was a it was a short manhunt. <laughs> oh, lovely! I love yeah. to hear stuff like that. Oh, well. yeah. Oh, lovely. Oh, well, good. So, uh, yeah. So we've had a little bit of poo. We've had a little bit of sectarian. We've had some wrestlers, and we've had some uh, Benson and Hedges. So I think overall, a quite a, a classic, yeah. Swally news round. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Classic Swally news round, not to be confused with John Craven's news round, <laughs> under any circumstances. <laughs> hey, I would have watched news round a lot more if they were covering stories like that, to be honest. News round always kind of bored me a little bit. It was always like, switch the channel. I mean, it, it was always that, because I never liked Blue Peter either. So yeah, like it was Blue only Peter. the, was it a Tuesday and a Thursday? It was like, that was when Biker Grove and Grange Hill mm, were on. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Blue Peter was on. I, yeah. Once news round oh. came on, that was it. It Friday, was over to Friday was uh, Cracker Jack after news round. I don't know, maybe maybe you're a wee bit too young for yeah, Cracker Jack. Maybe. Before my time. Yeah. yeah. So I just had an image of because um, I remember news round and it would kick off with John Craven sort of doing the headlines and like it would be like a full screen behind them of that whatever he was talking about. So I remember it's not not a great example, but when um, I won't say it, but I'll <laughs> I won't say it. But um, if there was like a rocket ship taken off i guess like a shuttle launch you would have you would see the spaceship behind them like on the big screen and i just had an image of a guy getting like arrested for wanking in his car on the big screen behind john craven <laughs> <laughs> today in livingston a man claimed that he was trying to chase a bee <laughs> off his genitals <laughs> oh dear <clears throat> okay Moving swiftly. Um, have you seen anything else in the news this week, Greg? <laughs> no, not this week. <laughs> okay. We'll leave that with the wanking bee then. Okay. Uh, right. Uh, before we uh, go on to what we're going to be talking about on this Wally today, let's have a little word from our sponsors. Are you ready for an early start? Though it will soak you through. Are you ready to say you're sorry and what she means to you? If you're on the losing end, get up and try again. And when you're ready, go for tenants. It's waiting there for you. Okay, so it was it was your choice uh, for this week's subject matter. Nikki, why don't you introduce this week's movie? Thank you very much, Greg. So today we are going to be talking about, and I think we can say safely, a national treasure by a national treasure. And I can't believe we haven't actually covered this on the Swally yet. You know, we're, this is episode 61 and it's taken us this long to get to it. But today we're going to be talking about the directorial debut of Bill Forsyth, That Sinking Feeling. Released in 1979, this film is in the Guinness Book of Records for being the lowest budget film ever to gain a proper theatrical release in the UK. The film tells the tale and the story of Ronnie, played by Robert Buchanan, and his friends, including Billy Greenless as Wal, John Hughes as Vic, Douglas Sanakin, 
as Simmy and John Gordon Sinclair as Andy, as out-of-work and out-of-luck friends in Glasgow, fed up with their hopeless lives and realising that there must be more to life than suicide, Ronnie comes up with the brilliant idea to pull off the heist of the century and steal stainless steel sinks from a warehouse. So, Greg, that sinking feeling is obviously an absolute stone-cold Scottish classic, but what are your first memories or of that sinking feeling? Well, I kind of I can, I came to it a bit late, you know, like when I was... In my kind of late teens and early twenties, I was a huge film fan, and I th- you know, when we discussed Gregory's Girl way back at the beginning of the pod, I um, mentioned that it took it took me quite a long time to see Gregory's Girl. I don't think I'd seen it until I was about sixteen or seventeen, and it was mm. on TV one night. So you know, in my I used to buy a lot of film magazines. I used to get a lot of books about films out the library and buy books about films and stuff. So I, I you know, I came to learn about Bill Forsyth and I was a very aware of local hero um, from being a kid because this, as we spoke about on the local hero uh, episode, the soundtrack was everywhere in my step. I mm. used to play it all the time. So I think I watched uh, this sinking feeling uh, in a sort of similar way to how I first saw Gregory's Girl. I think it was on, on BBC Two or Channel Four one Friday night or Sunday night or something like that quite late on. And uh I, I knew about the film, but I, I'd never seen it anywhere. I used to buy a lot of videos, as you remember. I used to have like a big wall of like mm. films. And I, I I didn't have any of Bill Forsyth's films. I never I never kinda of saw them anywhere on video back then. Of course now a lot of these movies are part of the Criterion collection or their own um I know that the sinking feelings on the, the BFI, the British Film Institute player. Mm. They've got their own uh, streaming service. Mark Kermode introduces this uh, sinking feeling on the BFI player. So yeah, I remember. Um, you know, again, I was always like I've said millions of times before. I was always kind of quite bewitched whenever I saw a film set and filmed somewhere that I knew pretty well. And obviously, this sinking feeling is filmed in Glasgow. <laughs> so it, it was always a bit of a it was always a bit of a rush um, to see places that you recognise on the screen. How about you? When did you first um, watch the film? You've basically just described kind of my introduction as well it was Mm. on i think a friday night on bbc and i think it was kind of the same i I wonder if maybe the bbc did like a bill for a scythe series because that was definitely the same kind of time i'd seen gregory's girl comfort and joy and local hero Mm. they were all on the bbc on like a friday night so i wonder if it was maybe like a kind of a thing they did and it was very clever in a way as well because as a, a young and i would have been maybe 12 13 i think when i first saw this same as gregory's girl and and um comfort and joy and local hero because friday night you've you've watched um cheers and fraser well cheers and fraser wouldn't have been on at the same time but you've watched cheers you've watched like roseanne you're spent after euro trash um <laughs> you're kind of exhausted after watching the word and then you click over at bbc and it's a bill forsyth film like it's yeah. it's almost like the I mean, this was before we were doing drugs or anything but this <laughs> it's like a perfect kind of come down just like a you know after the frenetic kind ofness of the word and euro trash mm-hmm. you're just getting into this lovely little cozy kind of bill forsyth film and nobody quite does it like bill no. and even watching this again and I, I think that's probably when the first time i'd watched it and then I watched it again maybe five, six years later. 
and I haven't watched it since. So coming back to it now, it's just absolutely wonderful. And it's, you can tell, because obviously we've covered Comfort and Joy, we've covered Gregory's Girl, we've covered Local Hero, but here you can just see the the kind of Bill Forsyth just coming to, to life. And yeah. there's so many little tropes and so many little things in this film that he then, you know, goes on to expand to in different films. And I think this was, technically, this was kind of one of the first homegrown Scottish films in terms of previous efforts had always been like over-the-top Scottish accents or shortbread yeah. and tartan and like all over the place and that sinking feeling just kind of smashed all of that like it's it's yes there's like unemployment and stuff in it but it's not poverty porn it's it's yeah. kind of it's it's so dry and and witty and and but ludicrous aspects as well but so realistic and at the end of the day this is a heist movie and, you know it's it's just wonderful such a good film yeah i mean i was i've been watching um some interviews with bill forsyth um in preparation for the podcast today and you know he began as a documentary maker and you know he said he'd he'd been making he'd been working in film for 15 years before he made that sinking feeling and um but he you know he had he had taken a job when he was 17 at the thames and clyde film company who predominantly made I get, you know, he would describe them as sort of silent colour films about Glasgow, about Scotland, but silent mm. in the sense that they weren't recording any sound. It was just, they were just recording sort of vistas and scenery and things like that. And then there'd be music over the top and narration. So mm. he did that for okay. a long, so that's where he sort of, that's where he kind of cut his teeth and where he learned to edit and um operate a camera and, 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 and all that kind of thing. But the story of how, he sort of got it together to make this film. And you mentioned in the intro, it was the lowest uh, budgeted film ever to get a cinema release. And he, um, you know, he he set himself a target of £2,000 in 19... It was sort of back in 1978. Um, worth a lot more than £2,000 is worth now um, in 2022. Uh, but he managed to get... He managed to raise the money from kind of bookies and uh, brewers and... Um, distillers and things and there's like there's a great uh little clip on youtube of mark kermode uh, interviewing mm. bill forsyth and he's kept all his sort of financial records if you can call them financial records he's um, <laughs> he's kept all these financial records from the time um and he's basically written a budget like on the back of a bit of paper and felt pen with about five mm. lines on it of what he thinks he'll need but he's also kept all the letters that he got both you know from the the various people that the various people and companies that he wrote to looking for funding and he's got letters from like William Hill and Coral and Iron Brew and yeah really it's quite amazing and he, he I think he went over budget by nearly 800 pounds mm. he was making a film which I guess is a lot more would have been a lot more money then than it, than it is these days and all, all these all his actors are all from the the, the Glasgow Youth Theatre famously and he, he promised them all points in the film but I think the, the the film went on to make ninety thousand pounds, and he said so far he's not seen any profit from it. Mm. <laughs> well, he said that in nineteen uh, ninety-seven, I think he said that, and it, apparently it cost more to dub the film into mm. Scottish accents the Americans could understand than it cost to make the film originally. So I, I watched that clip as well, and it, it was fascinating, and it was so nice to see that um, you know William Hill gave him twenty-five pounds. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't mention it in the 
that clip, but I watched the director's commentary with okay. Mark Commode and Bill Forsyth for the 2014 DVD release, which will I'll, I'll mention that again later. But he does mention in that that Tunnocks gave him £45 and a supply of caramel wafers and tea cakes and stuff. <laughs> and Tenants gave him £100, which mm. he was like, when that came in, it was like, wow, this is amazing. And, you know, good on you, Tenants. I'm, I'm so delighted. Iron Brew, nothing. And <laughs> that's why he rewrote the last scene yeah. because they decide that they're going to knock off the, the Iron Brew factory. Um, <laughs> talking about the redub version, which I'll come to again later, but yes, they uh, redubbed it for an American audience and they had uh, they didn't use the original cast. Have you seen any of the redubbed version? So I watched uh, the the sort of the old famous um, American film critic Siskel and Ebert. That's <laughs> exactly what I watched. Yeah, well. <laughs> so there's... There's an episode, not a great quality episode, but there's an episode of their TV show on YouTube where they review The NeverEnding Story, The Last Starfighter, <laughs> Electric Dreams, and they finish on that sinking feeling. And the clips that they show of the movie uh, are the dubbed yeah. version, where everyone sounds a bit like, uh, off, like they're off Take the High Road, you know, they're quite soft well, accents. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of posh Edinburgh accents, isn't it? Mm. And it's just, it's so jarring to to watch that and see Ronnie saying, you know, this morning I tried to drown myself in a bowl of cornflakes. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, no. And to be honest, having watched the original version, I didn't think the accents were that bad, but it's maybe because our ears are tuned to it. But mm. I thought, did it need to be redubbed? Like, not, it, I'm, it's I'm not, not sure. that bad at all. I think that perhaps overseas audiences historically haven't been given the credit they deserve should they do they just mm. assume that because the, there's a dub version of train spotting that yeah as well there's um you know it's just it's just assumed that they won't be able to understand mm. um without really without testing or whatever you know i mean I, I don't know if they ever tested the original the, the original the audio on a, an american audience i, I would I, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't because they also did the same with uh, gregory's girl as mm. well you know but yeah to your point it's really weird watching those clips espe yeah. especially the scene in the car which is is perhaps one of the most famous scenes in the film the scene in the mm. car it's certainly the most quotable scene and um I mean, I am, I am pleased to say that both Cisco and uh, Ebert liked the film very much, uh, and it was it, it was released in the US three or four years after it came out. Mm. It was only released in the US because of the success of uh, Gregory's Girl and Local Hero. Yeah, I mean, I know we spoil films on this podcast. I mean, and to be fair, as you mentioned earlier about Alien, same as that sinking feeling. It's a fucking forty-four-year-old film, so get over it. <laughs> However. They were reviewing it on the, the TV as it was just being released in cinema. And they kind of spoil one of the best jokes of the film because, as you say, they're in the car talking. Mm. And then the whole kind of point is when they get out the car, it's, you know, it's an abandoned car yeah, just yeah. on this fucking bit of ground. And they did say on the show, like, oh, yeah, and it's so funny, like... When they get out of the car, it's a wreck. It's not even a proper car. And I'm like, you've just spoiled one of the best jokes of the film. Like, you cunts. Um, so, uh, very famously, Bill Forsyth wrote Gregory's Girl first. And mm. he went to the BFI to try and get funding. And they said no, because it's too mainstream. So he's like, oh, right, okay. So he 
made that sinking feeling to get the money yeah. to make Gregory's Girl. And yeah. he'd went to the BFI and asked them for £29,000 to make Gregory's Girl. And they said no. After the success of that sinking feeling, they offered him £200,000 to make Gregory's Girl. <laughs> which, you know, so it paid off well. Um, um, so the story basically comes from, uh, it was an idea of, of Bill Forsyth's because um, it was a story he'd read about a bowling club that got broken into and someone stole all the silverware from the bowling club. <laughs> and his flat, he lived across the road from the actual factory that is in the film. That yeah. And so they sell sinks and toilets and manufacture. And that was where the idea came from. And as you say, it was just from the Glasgow Youth Theatre. He mm. kind of workshopped it with them and it just seemed to kind of work. And that was where the whole kind of impetus of the film came from. And that was how he developed it. And it, it's, I mean, it's just such a wonderful film because it's so rough. And okay, the acting at points isn't the best. No. But it's so forgivable because you could just tell it's just this rawness. And it, it kind of works in a way, doesn't it? Like, it, it's not like you're like, oh, he's such a bad actor. It it really works quite well. Well, I think the thing is, is the characters are so likable. Mm. So, you know, even though, I mean, they're all amateur actors. They, I think the only, only one or two actors in the film kind of went on to have successful careers in filming. I mean, uh, Rab Buchanan is uh, famously chucked acting after uh, Comfort and Joy. And he works at the Tollbooth mm. Theatre in Stirling. Mm. Now, obviously, John Gordon Sinclair is probably the biggest success yeah. um, from the film. Um, and uh, Tom... Mannion, who's got a really small part as the doctor uh, toward the end of the film. The one that surprises me that who's that who's kind of quite who's sort of kind of constantly worked in television and film, but doesn't even have a Wikipedia page to his name is uh, Douglas. Got to try and say his name properly. S. Sanachan, Sanachan. I think yeah, Sach Sachanan. Sachanan. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because he's been working sort of constantly, either acting. He's in one of the first and maybe one of the best um, Taggart serials in nineteen eighty five, Murdering Season. Really good one. And he's worked as a director. He's worked as a sound man. He's, he just did a film out called. Uh, mm. It being no offense, Douglas. It sounds shite. <laughs> a film out that he's directed called um, Star Cache about a sort of space game show where the sort of running man type thing. Now, you say that, it sounds shite. I thought it sounded actually quite good. <laughs> and apparently um, they had a little premiere for it. Right. And Bill Forsyth went to the premiere. Okay. And after the film had screened, Bill Forsyth, out of like a little bit of tissue paper, he'd made a little crown <laughs> and he put it on Douglas's head and okay. said, I award you, you know, the crown. You've kind of taken my mantle right. now. Go okay. and do something with it. Which I thought was a, a beautiful um, thing. That, yeah. And kind of doesn't surprise me. I'm kind of like, that's the type of thing Bill probably would do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it sounded quite good, actually. I was going to see if I could find it and maybe do it on the swally. Well, <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, if it's Scottish enough, then we'll definitely do it on the swally. So yeah, so he's kind of worked through it uh, all these years. Now, I, I had to... Be, I know we're sort of leaping ahead, but... Our Swally Awards, there's not a great deal that we can award. So I thought to myself, maybe I'll play a game with Nicky because the the thing about the actors is because it's the 70s, they all look, well, a lot of them look a lot older than they're supposed yeah. to be. Now, Rab Buchanan looks like he's about fucking 45, but he was actually, he was actually only 17. So I was going to play this game whereby I got you to guess 
the actual ages of the actors, but there's not an awful lot of information about the rest of the cast as to what age they were born. Now, John Hughes, who plays Vic, if you click Mm. on John Hughes on IMDb, it's evidently not the same John Hughes because if you click on John Hughes... director? No, uh, it's an actor who was born in 1930. So for a couple of minutes, I was thinking, there's no way that... There's no way that that guy that plays Vic is 49 when this is being filmed. It did, but for a second or two, anyway, I wasn't able to play the game. Um, but in, but what I did discover when I was looking at the cast, interestingly, Billy Greenlees, who plays Wall, mm. also plays Donkey McCafferty in um, Just a Boys Game. And because I was so thrown by the John Hughes thing, I watched the last few minutes of Just a Boys Game just to double check. And sure enough, and he's, and he, and he's, he's nothing like wall at all in that i mean he's going for it i i had that in my uh, notes billy greenless who plays mm. wall has mm. just four acting credits that sinking feeling just a boy's game gregory's girl and comfort and joy mm. if you're gonna say to a scottish actor right you're gonna be in four things that's yeah. a pretty fucking epic four things to yeah, just be in and then you're like you know what i'm done yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm knock it on the head it's not paying enough <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I agree. I think um, it, just like you've said, like the, the the cast, what gives away their age is basically the fact that they are all from the Glasgow Youth <laughs> Theatre, yeah, and the fact that they all have very bad skin and they acne, do. which yeah. gives away that they're teenagers, yeah, effectively. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, but their skin is terrible in this mm. film, really bad. Is that nineteen seventies? skin was no uh spot cream back in those days it's all that tunics and iron blue and, <laughs> and cornflakes evidently <laughs> as well okay so obviously we need to talk about robert buchanan as ronnie who is effectively the lead character in this film and he does a wonderful job as we've seen in gregory's girl and um of comfort and joy as well but in this he really is leading it and the opening scene is so good when he's just giving that speech to the statue and <laughs> you really kind of believe that the plight that he has and like i say he's it's not the best acting but it works because he's got this charm and kind of just likability and as we said that speech in the car when he's speaking about trying to kill himself with a bowl of (laughs) cornflakes it's just hilarious the delivery of it and it's so good he's just absolutely brilliant in this like really you're rooting for him you really want him to and you know the little scene where he sees the sink and you kind of see him like thinking like oh 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 you know i mean literally could have taken a sledgehammer and just hammered it over the audience's head this is what he's thinking that's going to happen but it does kind of work i tried to kill myself today Just after you left, well, I took a mouthful of cornflakes and milk, held my nose shut. I tried to drown myself in cornflakes and milk. No, if you want to kill yourself, what you do is, you stand somewhere wet, get yourself a good earth, then plug yourself into the mains. That's what I was going to do. Woof! No. I think the best way is out a window, really high up, hit the ground at 120 mile an hour. I was going to try that up at the high flats, but the lifts were stuck. Couldn't be bothered climbing 400 stairs. Christ, you'd be fit for nothing by the time we got to the top. Yeah. 
He's, he is he's as good. I mean, like the scene at the beginning, I don't know if it's by design or or if it's because he's obviously an amateur actor and he's it's like a one-hander scene. Mm. Uh, but it, you you don't it doesn't sort of lean on the pathos too much. You know what I mean? Like you, you sort of get a sense of the fact, you know, of his frustration, but he's not um I don't know, it's it's he's not sort of looking for sympathy as such from hmm, the no. statue he's just frustrated at his predicament i think that's the thing about all of the characters it's not uh you know they're in a, all in a bad situation they're all out of work or you know having to scrabble money together to buy a coffee and a hamburger but they're not wallowing kind of in mm. their you know um their misery they're, they're all kind of quite upbeat and they're mm-hmm. okay about it apart from obviously the car scene when they're speaking about the best ways to kill yourself but yeah they they obviously want something a little bit more but as they say they're has to be more to life than suicide. Mm-hmm. It's they're kind of they're lighthearted about it, and and they want to do something better, but they're just kind of stuck in a rut, really. Yeah. Until Ronnie comes up with a wonderful idea of stealing <laughs> stainless steel sinks from yeah. this warehouse, and the elaborate plan they come up with is just fucking absolutely brilliant. Like I say, this film is a heist film, and mm. it's like watching you know Ocean's Eleven kind of steal from this film, like. The, <laughs> The, the ludicrousness of the nature of how they're planning this and and it's just the little subtle things like i never i didn't pick up on it on first and then i actually when i listened to the director's commentary both of sides said so when the simi is keeps going up to the who's it, what's his character anyway it's like the young one or the the, the man one. The wee man, the wee man. Yeah. Sorry, of course it's the wee man. Um, when he's running up and down the slide and sliding yeah. down and running up, that's him training for running up and down the yeah. stairs when he's in the warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I never picked up on that, actually. Yeah. That's brilliant. Um, and he's just fantastic, the wee man. He's so yeah. good. <laughs> when he's, he can't find the key and he just sits down on the toilet and has a fag. <laughs> Again, like you know, you see the 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 real kind of unique humor of Bill Forsyth. These little, they're not quite, they're not quite surreal moments. They're not like too surreal that they'd be out of place, but they're just sort of surreal enough to to stay in the theme. Like you know, when you've got the penguin wandering around the school and uh, Gregory's mm. girl, and when in this they've got you know when. Um, Simmy comes out and the wee girl's like bouncing the ball up against the wall and this and it's it's quite a long scene of him tapping a fag and a light offer. You know what I mean? As as he walks away, he gives a wee pat on the head, like you would to your wee sister or your wee brother before you left the house. You know, it's it's really funny. The two bits that had me in hysterics, and it's just very Bill Forsyth, is the when you have uh, Bobby the baker with his mate and the guy's given the order and, he, yeah. you know, the driver's reading off this huge list yeah. and the guy's like, no, yeah. no, <laughs> yeah. a dozen, <laughs> yeah. no, no. And they go away and then they come back to it like three times <laughs> and it's just so funny. And the other part is the police chase when Ronnie's getting chased <laughs> by Davey, the, the police officer. And yeah. it's, it just goes on for so long. And <laughs> yeah. when I when I listened to the director's commentary, Bill Forsyth said, yeah, this is what I like to do. Like, you take the joke beyond the joke mm. and then see if it becomes a joke again. Yeah, And yeah. it does in that chase scene because you're like, okay, all right. <laughs> and it, it just gets so ludicrous that you're like, actually, this is really funny again. Yeah. <laughs> it just works. It's so yeah. good. It chases Ronnie out to the end of like a pipe on the... <laughs> I guess it's on the... 
it's on the Kelvin or something like that. It's, it's, like a, <laughs> it's only then that he realises it was Davy yeah. that he went to school with. He's like, oh, hi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was um, he was actually a police officer, the, right. the guy that played Davy. Mm. And that was his actual uniform that he, he wore. Because obviously the budget was so small. Mm. But the one thing he did say was, I don't want to wear my hat because that might be taking it a bit too far. Because then yeah. I'm, technically I'm in full uniform. Yeah. So what they did was they got a black hat out of a joke shop mm. and if you look really closely, I mean, you can't really see it on the, the quality of the film we're watching, but the badge is a milk bottle top right. on the... the <laughs> and, and it's just about a black and white ribbon that's right yeah. there. Um, so it's not a real police hat, but uh, the rest of the uniform is his actual police uniform <laughs> because he was a police cadet. And again, the ludicrousness of you want to see my whistle. Is yeah. <laughs> even when he gets... He, even the sound effect they use when he's... When his radio goes, when they're giving them the shopping list for the station, and it's like, it's obviously just somebody off camera making a wee funny kind of radio type noise, you know. <laughs> Uh, so I, I mean the heist itself is so elaborate in terms of the way and I love the character of Vic that he is just instantly well why don't we dress up as women yeah. and I'll I'll do it I'll be one of them decoys two guys dressed up as cleaning ladies to take care of the night watchman you know we can get wigs and makeup and a dress I'll, I'll be one of them and I think it's quite uh, progressive i mean remember this was like the late 70s but the character of vic obviously his girlfriend mary is a bit like are you okay are you feeling all right but they don't make light of vic's obvious kind of cross-dressing fetish Mm. like it's it's not like a i mean it is a joke but it's not they're taking a piss out of it's kind of accepted in a way when he's like with makeup which i think is is hugely progressive for the time of, mm-hmm. of when this was and okay it's funny we laugh at it but it's it's quite carefully yeah. done you know yeah. when, when he's sitting with mary reading cosmo and he's asking about what color of tights should i wear <laughs> and stuff and then he's obviously quite pissed off when wow kind of looks like better than him and the yeah. security guards kind of taken away with with wow rather than uh than with him even like afterwards and they can't sort of shake it off and he keeps talking in his lady voice by mistake later on. (laughs) He's out in town with his... He's looking at a girl's clothes with Mary's girlfriend in the shop and she's got to shove him out the shop. (laughs) I'm a boy. I'm a boy. Um, And I I love the the scene of Wal and the security guard in the... when they're kind of playing around and Mm. and stuff in in that part. That was... um, that wasn't in the script. That was improvised. And that yeah. was them getting ready for a take, just mucking around. But Bill yeah. Forsyth was filming. And right, right. Just, it was so good that he kept it in the film because it, uh, yeah, it works so well. But he, he's actually good, um, Billy Greenlees, because, mm. you know, like I, sp- like I suppose his other big part is the aforementioned uh, Donkey McCafferty in just the boys game. And mm. he's like, you know, you could be forgiven for thinking, that, you know, it's maybe not, Again, not being saying this to be unkind about any of the cast, but you know they're obviously amateur actors, and he's he's a bit quiet and a bit reactive and stuff. And his, his character as well is in this anyway. But then the same year he plays McCafferty in just a boys' game, and he's he's sort of shows off his acting chops really because he's quite a vicious yeah. he's quite a vicious character in um, in just a boys' game, and he's you know he's mm. he's probably. 
I'm not, I've not, I, well, I wasn't able to find out how old Greenlees is because there's no information online, but he's probably, <laughs> a, he's probably a bit younger than Frankie Miller. And yeah, mm. he's got that, he's got that kind of fighting scene with him in the docks at the end mm. and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, he, 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 he's, he's like, the other thing is, this just sounds silly, but he's clean shaven and that sinking feeling. But in just a boys game, he's got a wee bit of sort of ginger facial hair going on. <laughs> but it, it changes him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It does change him a lot. I, I think he's brilliant in this. Like, he's genuinely brilliant in terms of the, the way he, he bounces off uh, Ronnie's character. And then, mm. as I say, when he's dressed up um, as the woman with, with Vic, it, it's just hilarious, those scenes. And I had the misfortune to read an online review of That oh, yeah. Sinking Feeling. And it was by a, it was on IMDb. So mm-hmm. something said. And uh, someone said um, that they couldn't believe the audacity of the fact that the audience were meant to believe that Wal and Vic were women and that uh, the security guard would believe this. And they compared it to um, like Martin Lawrence in Big Mama's house. <laughs> and I would just like to say, I hope that is the first time and the very last time I hear a comparison of a Bill Forsyth film to Big Mama's house. Um, <laughs> but I know it's ludicrous, but it works. And that's the whole point of a Bill Forsyth film. It is yeah. ridiculous, but it, it's not so ridiculous. It does kind of work. Well, I mean, like, it doesn't take itself seriously at all, you know, and, and really, yeah. like, his big sort of four films, this, Gregory's Girl, Comfort and Joy, and Local Hero, you know, despite Local Hero and um, Comfort and Joy are dealing with sort of semi-serious themes, but mm. they, don't, they don't take themselves too seriously. And even no. at, the, even at the, the beginning, like, the opening credits of this film are... This is this is set in a fictional town called Glasgow. Any resemblance to the actual town of Glasgow is purely coincidental. So he's he's sort of, he's kind of tying these colours to the mast straight away. You know, it's like yeah, we're dealing with a bit of poverty, a bit of hopelessness. You know, unemployment, but we're not we're not taking it too seriously. You know, well, I mean, the famous line of the film is, "What is this area famous for? Drunks, muggers, and cultural social deprivation." <laughs> yes, <It's, laughs> nail on heads. Like that's yeah. that's it. He's nailed the colours to the mast, as you yeah. say. And as you say, it's not taking itself seriously, but it is. You know, in a way, it, it is a a story about the the plight of unemployment. And mm-hmm. I mean, we weren't quite fully in the throes of Thatcher's Britain at this point yeah. but it, it was still very much the the it theme was, and, and it was in the post it's a, yeah it's it's a very um sensitive and and serious topic but it's done in such a, a lovely light-hearted way mm-hmm. that it yeah it's just great i mean like the sort of closest that comes to it is the beginning of the scene when they're in the car which obviously becomes very f- funny and like they, they, suicide is nothing to joke about but it is it's funny they that, that exchange about the cornflakes but at the beginning of the scene like ronnie says uh how was your day mm. and simmy's like very enjoyable like obviously yeah. being sarcastic you know like yeah fucking great i've got no job i'm sitting in a wrecked car in the middle of a bloody bit of waste ground you know and then, then it, it kind of lightens up bizarrely by talking about suicide <laughs> you know <laughs> Um, life's too short to commit suicide um which is perhaps one of the wisest things ever committed uh to a movie uh, one of the wisest Mm. lines you know um i don't know if it was intended as such but it definitely could be was it um ahead of its time as well because there is talk of uh, obviously billy drugs his 
colleague, the yeah. van driver, <laughs> and they talk about him being in suspended animation and um, how he's not going to wake up until, uh, was it 2068? Yeah. Um, because of the drug. And yeah. I love that. I, t- I tried it and I ran it. It was asleep for four months. Um, <laughs> but it woke up fine. <laughs> yeah. um, I think a genius kind of, again, ludicrous. And, and of course... Wh- Later on in the film, Alec drinks the tea as well, and he actually becomes a bit more switched on after mm. he's drank that tea, yeah. which, again, is obviously absolutely ludicrous. But yeah, again, again you just kind of forgive it, and you're just like, ah, oh, that's that's funny. That works, yeah. actually. Uh, I, I like it when he offers his seat to uh, Vic in the van, because Vic's... <laughs> Vic, Vic's still got his dress and everything on. He yes. gives, gives his seat up for the lady like he's on the bus. <laughs> so uh, in 2014, they, the BFI re-released this as a, a remastered DVD version and with the original audio because for a while, the dubbed version was the only version you could kind of get. Of yeah, this. So yeah. they re-released that with the commentary, as I've said, with Bill Forsyth and Mark Commode. And in that year it was released, 2014, it was the BFI's biggest selling DVD of that year. Mm. And 70% of those sales came from Glasgow. Right. So it shows the affection mm. of this. But as I say, I watched the commentary and there was quite a good few points, but the one point that really stood out for me was obviously, as, as we've mentioned, uh, Bill had written Gregory's Girl Girl, um, couldn't get the funding so then he made that sinking feeling and the scene where they're doing the robbery and John Gordon Sinclair jumps out the back of the van dressed like a ninja yeah. and the way he did it the way he did the jump and the kind of awkwardness Bill turned to his assistant at that time and he said, I've just found my Gregory mm. <laughs> and I think that's just a wonderful yeah. moment to be yeah. like wow that just changes things so much. Just that that little jump and the way he was, he's like, yeah, I've just found my Gregory. Perfect. Because yeah. Gregory's Girl was obviously a, a passion project for Bill and something he'd written and had thought about so long. And he'd obviously probably never thought about the cast, but just to see that movement, and he's like, oh, wow, that's it. Yeah. That's him. And the thing as well, no, so you've taken this, He's not got a great, he's not got like a, a ton of screen time in this, uh, John Gordon mm. Sinclair. But to sort of take him and then make him the lead of his next film when, you know, he's at this point, he, Sinclair is still an, he's still an amateur actor. You know, I yeah. think he, he was like an apprentice electrician or something like that at the same time mm. when he was yeah. doing the GYT. And he he, he he puts him in his, as a lead in his, in his next film. But, you know, he's, I think it was... I can't remember which it might have been the program when Bill Patterson and Bill Forsyth they it's like when Bill meets Bill you know it's like half an hour BBC mm. thing and he's talking about the the Scottish film industry as it was back then and um, he said you know there was only about 20 people in the Scottish film industry back then <laughs> <laughs> you know it was it was an acceptance speech for an award but it wasn't it wasn't at the actual awards he made a film uh, perhaps kind of predictably you can see it on youtube uh, where he talks about his career and his life and stuff and there's a funny scene when he's he's showing how much he's showing like an old editing suite and how much he liked it and he's pretending to get high off of the like bill bill uh for Scythe, is he's pretending to get high off one of the chemicals they used for <laughs> well for welding the film together after they'd made a cut but you know he said that you know the the sort of scottish film industry as it was when you saw scotland on film it might be things like uh brigadoon or mm. one of the versions there's quite a few versions of the 39 steps mm. but it would be sort of 
the countryside and adventure and that you mentioned earlier on, like romance and sort of Ivanhoe and Sir Walter Scott type yeah. uh, stuff. Um, but he says that you would, you know, he, he, he said, I can only make films about, I can only like write stories about what I know, you know. So it was really uh, that sinking feeling. It's probably the first time that kind of like the sort the kind of real Glasgow as it was in the late seventies was ever. On screen, yeah. on the on that on a cinema screen. I mean, obviously <clears> you had you had like the the Peter McDougall plays for today, like just mm. another Saturday had been out before that, and just a boys' game, which is not really Glasgow, I suppose at screening, isn't it? But that came out the same year. Um, so they to you know in 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 a lot of ways, I, I, I doubt he would accept it as uh, an accolade, but in a lot of ways he sort of started the a sort of demand for like urban yeah. social uh, movies that that uh, that aren't necessarily kind of kitchen sink, look back in anger, sort of Saturday night, Sunday morning, dreary social commentaries, but sort of looking at kind of real people, but it's not all doom and gloom, you know? No, um, yeah, and I think the, I mean, the the four films that he did in his early career, and I, I think this is probably, there's only one more Bill Forsyth film we could really do on mm-hmm. the Swally, and that would be Gregory's Two Girls. Yeah. Um, because the rest, obviously, the, the other three are in America. But I think the the topics that he covers in his films are hugely important. So we're looking at unemployment and you know, people having to to steal to, to yeah, make yeah. a living in this. And then Gregory's Girl, obviously, is more about you know teenage kind of romance and a, mm-hmm. a kind of love story. Um, local hero, of course, is about a big American company kind of yeah. taking over a town. And then, of course, you have Comfort and Joy, which is about the ice cream wars, but done in a very humorous way. Yeah. And I, I do like the fact that I think that Bill is very loyal because, obviously, that sinking feeling, I don't think he really paid the actors because he couldn't well, there, afford it. Well, I mean, there was, they, he had promised them points in the film. Yeah. yeah. But he did promise them all a role in Gregory's Girl. Yeah. And promised them that he would pay them. And he did. Everyone pretty much in the cast is in Gregory's girl, of course, yeah. you know, Rob Buchanan, I think probably famously is uh, Simmy, who plays Billy the window cleaner yeah, yeah. in um, Gregory's girl. If I don't see you through the week, I'll see you through the window. Yeah. And pretty much all of the cast are in Comfort and Joy as well. Mm. Like yeah. little little parts, like working in the ice cream um, van factory. But I think it's only really John Gordon Sinclair that's in Local Hero. And I, I can only presume that's because Local Hero was filmed out of Glasgow. It was yeah. filmed, you know, up north. And famously, he did say that John Gordon Sinclair was kind of free that summer. And he said, come, <laughs> up, come up and film and just ride around on your bike for the summer. Yeah. So I can only presume that's why the rest of, you know, like Robert Buchanan and other actors weren't in Local Hero because it was too far away. Because otherwise, I, I am certain Bill would have had them in the film. Because it does seem that he is like very loyal. And yeah would want to reward them. And it's almost a shame that they've missed out on being his, probably his biggest film. Yeah. If, if you know what I mean. And not to take anything away from the other three, because I, I absolutely adore the other three as well. Mm-hmm. But Local Hero is kind of the, the famous yeah. Bill Forsyth film. Yeah, I think it, and it's probably the most satisfying Bill Forsyth film. You know, I mean, like, with this film, with with this one, you know, like, the 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 film ends, but it leaves a. You kind of sort of want to know. Well, 
what happened next. You know, they yeah. we, we see a, a couple of the guys like Wall managed to sell their sinks. Wall probably won't. <laughs> he manages to sell his sinks to Richard DeMarco, like the actual yeah. gallery owner, uh, doing a little mm. cameo there. Um, but you, you sort of want to know what happens next to the guys. And, they, you know, you probably if Forsyth had a bit more money or whatever, he might have, you know, kind of built it out a little bit. I think sort of Gregory's girl and, and local hero to a greater extent have the most sort of satisfying sort of endings and kind of sort of yeah. wrap-ups. Whereas Comfort and Joy, it, you know, it, again, it, it leaves a few unanswered sort of questions, you know, they, mm. you know what, what happens next for, for Red Dickie Bird. But interestingly as well with Bill Forsyth, I was watching an interview with him. He's an interview by an American interviewer. And he says that when he, when he as he was growing up, he wasn't really a big fan of the cinema because mm. he, he remembered going to the old uh, Saturday matinees that used to be on back in the sort of 40s, 50s and 60s. And he never liked the whole kind of way that you're manipulated. You know, so you're, mm. you're, you're sort of herded in to the... You sort of queue up, you're herded in. He, he, he sort of likened it to going to a shopping mall in modern times. You know what I mean? You're okay. Kind of, you're kind of herded around and it just never really appealed to him. So he didn't really grow up with this sort of love of cinema that mm. they could that probably 99% of working directors kind of grew up with. So, mm. it, you know, his... It's more been his sort of apprenticeship that he did at uh, Thames and Clyde that that crafted it him. But I was thinking, well, it's bizarre to hear him say that because some of the shots and that sinking feeling are very cinematic. You know, especially mm. the, the 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 sort of shots of the of the um, of the city. You know, when he does yeah. the sort of establishing shots and things, mm-hmm. and even they, you know, they in the the scene that you mentioned earlier when when Ronnie's running away from, he thinks the police that have rumbled him because he's sort of casing the the factory where it's just his pal. But they, the way that's for you know, they, in the way it's shot with them sort of running through the kind of the sort of waste ground and the buildings, the building sites and things. You know, for somebody who doesn't have a natural love of cinema that's been nurtured his whole life, he's a really cinematic uh, director, and and it and it comes out even more so in Local Hero mm. because you've got all that amazing northeast of Scotland scenery mm. to shoot and you know to film and things and it's very very cinematic yeah. it's quite interesting i mean i think even gregory's girl um there's a lot of beautiful shots of like cumbernauld area mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. comfort and joy are not beautiful but the some of the shots that are filmed like on the motorway mm-hmm. when it must be the m8 is it yeah and, yeah like m8, when kingston bridge yep you know, they're really impressive, the shots. Mm-hmm. And even when they get down into like the little um, kind of neighborhood cul-de-sac areas yeah, when yeah. he's chasing the ice cream van, <laughs> beautiful cinematic shots. In fact, that that's, it's so funny. And that's why I'm so glad we're kind of doing this podcast because Comfort and Joy is a film I probably watched, I, I think I discussed in the pod, probably haven't watched it for maybe about 20 years. And because it's coming up to Christmas and we reviewed it two years ago on the pod, I genuinely have thought to myself, I need to watch Comfort and Joy mm. again. Because yeah. Christmas. Without doing this podcast, I probably never would have thought about watching Comfort and Joy again. But I, I am genuinely, I will watch it again in the next yeah. month because of kind of the build up and probably just fall in love with it all over again yeah it's making me you know obviously we're talking about my daughter uh at the top of the podcast it's making me wonder if i should try and make her watch gregory's girl and see how she hmm. how she responds to sort of 1970s 80s <laughs> high school kids uh compared to <laughs> the ones that she goes to school with here in dubai <laughs> uh, so I did see uh, Bill did say that the, the factory scenes were filmed over a weekend and mm. it was literally a factory across from his flat 
and they just gave him the keys and said, yeah, on you go, do what you want. And he's like, it could have actually been an elaborate heist. Like he could have literally stolen all those things and gone off and sold them. But they were so trusting. They were just like, yeah, here's the keys. Do whatever you want. Just we'll see you on Monday. Um, but yeah, fascinating to, well, to think that they did that all over a weekend. The fact that the owners might have been sort of working on the assumption that perhaps is the biggest flaw in Ronnie's plan, that a hundred stainless steel sinks are probably going to be quite hard to shift. <laughs> so <laughs> on that point, when they, they do, and he does say, you know, they're, they're a bit hot. So mm. we can't sell them now, but yeah. obviously the guys want their money. So then they effectively decide to either take the sinks or wait for the money. What would you do? Would you take your sinks or would you just wait to see if you can sell them and get the money later? I don't know. I might take one sink and see if I can get, <laughs> I can get 60 quid to sort of tide me over. <laughs> wait for wait for the big bucks to come in. What would you do? Um, I think I would wait. Yeah, mm. I, I think I'd, I would be too nervous about obviously having eight, what's it, eight sinks each, they say, or <laughs> yeah. is it seven? And, well, and then some, some well, for the driver. Yeah, they say they want to make sure the driver gets sorted out as well. <laughs> Which is lovely. It's so <laughs> yeah. generous of them. So he's <laughs> yeah. like, you know, we need to get him. Um, whereas like John Gordon Sinclair's character wants to sell his kidneys. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, the, kid, the kidney market is really hot at the moment. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, I think I'd probably wait for the money. I don't, I don't think I won't be caught with the sinks. Um, and I can only presume because obviously in the van at the end when they have the, the mix up and they take the wrong van, yeah. which is full of donuts. <laughs> and I, 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 that's another Bill Forsyth part I love is when you hear the police call out go. It's like there has been a van reported. It contains 40 donuts, <laughs> two apple turnovers, <laughs> no chocolate donuts. Repeat, no chocolate donuts. <laughs> I just, I just love the, I just love the fact that they're, they basically lost their score, but they're delighted at the fact that they've got all these baked goods instead. You know? Well, that's what I was thinking because I counted. Um, there's, there's seven sinks left in that van because right. obviously they've divvied it up, mm. and I think that was them taking the last of their sinks into the like the the area. Yeah. So I think all that was left in that van was the driver's sinks. Right, but they, in terms of the, but they think that the sinks have turned into the bakery stuff, and then they're eating them, and then somebody suggests that the driver <laughs> might have turned into like, cakes and stuff as well. There's a little pause where they all look at each other for a second. <laughs> yeah, very true, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love that. Uh, um, <clears throat> do you think that um, Robert Buchanan in this looks a little bit like a young Kevin Bacon. It does a bit, yeah. It looks a bit like um, what Kevin Bacon would probably look like if his mum came from Govan. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I'll take that. And, yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, I it's. I think it's so weird. Like we mentioned earlier on about kind of teenagers and how when you look back at teenagers in time gone by, they always look older than teenagers do now. And I suppose that's mm. because, obviously, we're older. Um, but even as yeah. a teenager, looking at teenagers from the past, it always seemed that they looked and seemed so much older. Yeah, but now, like, teenagers to me seem like much... Like, they seem a lot younger. You know what I mm. mean? Like, they don't... You know, when you look at these guys, they're sort of 17 and 
you know, they're probably smoking John Players or Kensit's or Kensit's clubs or something. You know what I mean? Something like that. And you know, they're go- they're, they're going for a, a coffee and a and a rolling sausage and, and 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 that sort of thing. Whereas you know, like my daughter's a teenager, she doesn't go for a coffee and a rolling sausage. Mm. She goes she goes to like Starbucks and has like some some fucking dessert and a coffee cup yeah. and all this kind of thing, you know, or a and a cheese croissant. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, but I, I know obviously we're in the Middle East, but I'm pretty sure that that's the way she would be if we yeah. still was at home. You know, yeah. it's just a sort She'd of be going to Greg's for yeah. a slice of pizza. Yeah, slice of pizza, and, and then going to Starbucks for a fucking sun, a coffee flavored Sunday. You know, I I did like the fact I, you mentioned earlier, obviously Richard DeMarco, um, mm. in terms of his kind of cameo in this, the the famous artist and, and yeah. art gallery owner. Mm. So Bill. And this is a testament, I think, to Billy Greenness um, as a an actor. The they had written a script for Richard DeMarco to to use and yeah. obviously to say, and he did not say any of it. He just improvised his yeah. lines. Yeah. So for the fact that Billy is having to kind of play off on that, mm-hmm. I think he does really well. And yeah. you know when he comes up with the what's the name uh, sink. Yeah. <laughs> Works really well, um, oh. so I, I thought that was good. I, w- I wonder if that's because I, you know, I, and I would assume uh, that at the GYT there would be a lot of improvisation. Probably, mm. like you know, we mentioned, or you, rather, you mentioned earlier, how Bill Forsyth workshopped this film with the, the actors. So you know, I, I imagine probably there wasn't a huge amount of detail, sort of dialogue detail in the script. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he's probably, he's, he's probably developed a lot of skill. You know, I don't, I don't I don't know how long he was at the GYT for before he was in the film, but he's probably used to that, mm. that sort of environment of, rea- you know, that kind of reactive to what the other actors are saying and sort of thinking on your feet. And yeah, he's really good. <laughs> he's really well, good I think it. that's, um, that ties in actually quite nicely. I did read a quote from, Bill Forsyth um, and someone had asked him about the film and he said that film doesn't belong to me it belongs Mm. to Robert Buchanan and the cast they yeah. made it. Yeah, and yeah. I, that probably hits the nail on the head of what you're just saying. Probably there was maybe a lot of improvisation and mm-hmm. the way it is, but he he's very much uh, adamant that it's their film. Mm-hmm. They did it, and you know, to be fair, they they really did. It's it's wonderful in terms of the the acting and performances. I mean, the acting isn't great, but you know what I mean. It's just yeah, yeah. It's just such a beautiful film. I so mean, good. I mean, it's it's success is is actually really quite amazing when you think about the fact that there wasn't much of a Scottish film industry or if there was, it wasn't making films that were getting so even like sort of nationwide release in the UK, let alone mm. like runs in the US and all that you know, it's the actors are entirely amateur actors from mm. the Glasgow Youth Theatre. He's made it with very little money. You know, the story of young desperate guys planning a robbery it's not like an original premise for a film, you know what I mean, at all, or a story. But yet, despite all the things that were, all the hurdles that the film faced, it's become like a sensation, really. And, yeah. like, and the fact that it's like 44 years ago that it was released, and, you know, we're talking about it for the podcast, but people like people like Mark Kermode, who's probably the sort of leading film critic in the UK, mm-hmm. talks about this film yeah. reg- regularly. Yeah. You know the the the, BF, the BFI promote it on their on their BFI player. It, I'm sure it, it probably plays uh, uh, film festivals around Scotland and around the UK. 
um, it's amazing, really, what it's accomplished when it when its its origins are as as humble as it gets. Yeah, and it was made for what's it? He says like just under like two thousand seven hundred pounds. Yeah, which like that. is insane yeah. to you know five pounds for meat. It's just it's insane <laughs> that this this was made for that. You know, that that was a great bit in that when he's like it was all these kids. It was just like throwing meat to dogs, uh, like yeah. a bunch of huskies to to kind of get them uh, rabbled and round. But it's it's just incredible that you can mm. make that. And, and and as he says in that um, clip, it, it's in terms of if you're a young hungry creator, then just do. It. Just fight for it and do it, and just mm. kind of you know you'll find a way. And I think it's wonderful advice. Uh, so anything, anything else on? Um, oh, there was one thing I was going to mention. Mm. So okay, a couple of things actually. So we mentioned the Siskel and this the Siskel and Ebert uh, show. There is a there is a trigger warning if you want to go back and watch that show on YouTube, and that is that not once, not twice, but three times, Roger Ebert <laughs> says the word. <laughs> Says I know the, what you're going to say. Says the words Glasgow instead of Glasgow. So if if you're somebody who's easily upset by that type of thing, you might want to skip past that. I was listening to a, a podcast this week. Um, it was an American podcast, and they were talking about a northeast fishing village. Right. Um, and they, they mentioned it about six times in the podcast. So um, you'd be delighted to know about the northeast fishing village of Fraserburg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's two things that I think would upset people from Fraserburg. People from, people from Fraserburg refer to themselves as brochers, as Fraserburg is known as the broch in the north of Scotland. One is the, is the pronunciation of uh, Fraserburg, Fraserburg, and two is them calling it a fishing village, when it's actually a town. <laughs> it's like a pretty big town, Fraserburg. I genuinely thought your, your second point was going to be a heroin shortage. <laughs> And that's the third thing that will upset people about this village. <laughs> Do you know, see when um, see whenever I think of Fraserborough, like my old, um, I remember my old, when I, when I lived up in that neck of the woods, uh, my old flatmate Dale, uh, when him and I were at school together. Do you remember the advert that was on the TV when Mortal Kombat was released on the tele- on like, the home consoles? And it mm. was like kids, America standing in the street with their yeah. arms up in the air shouting, Mortal Kombat! Yeah. So... Because where we lived, we lived in the villages. If we wanted to go to like the, the town, we could get the bus into Aberdeen. Or if we weren't that flush, we would either go to Peterhead or Fraserborough. And we went to Fraserborough one day. And for reasons that are still not clear now, we spent quite a lot of time running around the streets shouting <laughs> Mortal Kombat <laughs> with our arms up in the air. Um, so that's, what, that's what I always think of when I go to, when I think about Fraserborough. Um, the other point I was going to make. So one of the first scenes in the film has uh, Vic going to like a sort of food van and ordering a, a, a coffee or asking how much a coffee and a burger was. Mm-hmm. And the woman said it's uh, 45p. And obviously mm-hmm. he doesn't have enough money. But yeah. later on when um, when Ronnie meets Andy, uh, for two coffees and two rolls and sausages, it's only 37p. So that, yeah. burger, that burger van taking the piss surely that's a good point yeah, yeah. i never thought about that you're right yeah. yeah and then of course the last thing was and i mention it every time we do an old thing about glasgow but just fucking right i remember glasgow and it was like that and glasgow used to be fucking grim <laughs> it did <laughs> back in those days the sort of the sort of pre-european city of culture glasgow garden festival glasgow was just fucking apart from the town set the city center was fucking horrible um but full of coothy hearty folk 
Yeah. You have anything else on them? Um... Uh, no, I think I've kind of, uh, yeah, all my notes are kind of done. I think it's um, it's probably time to put that sinking feeling through the Swally Awards, do you think? Yep, let's do it. So, as always, the first award, uh, the Bobby the Bartender Award for the best pub. There's, there's no pubs because they're all skint, can't afford to go to the pub. No pub. <laughs> and I no guess pub. all underage as well, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, the So, the Ewan McGregor Award for Gratuitous Nudity. None of the actors take their clothes off. The closest thing I could find uh, was the security guard's jazz mag that he's, <laughs> that he's reading. And it's quite graphic as well, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, and he does have on the, the pin board behind him, there's two page three um, yeah. cutouts. But yeah, that jazz mag he's reading, I was like, wow, that's quite yeah. close up. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's what I gave it to as well. Yeah, it's a funny thing. Like, I can, mean, I, I can remember like going to the garage with my dad when he was when I was younger. If he was getting like some work done in his car, and there would just be like there'd be like page three pages and pages mm. cut out of jazz mags like everywhere <laughs> where 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 men worked. Uh, and it was predominantly men or all men. It would just be like wall to wall. Tits. Yeah, but then do you remember back in the day, and this they used to have it at my local golf club, which I used to go to when I was a kid, yeah. because my mum worked there. Um, I remember watching the USA 94 final there, so I'd been 13 years old. Behind the bar, they had peanuts, and mm-hmm. you would pull off the bags of peanuts, oh, yeah. and it would be a, a girl, and you would reveal her tits as you were. <laughs> I thought about that for years. <laughs> Okay, peanuts. Like when I when I worked in the pub, like when the yeah. first pub, when the first uh, bar job was ever had, it was exactly like that. Yeah. You know, um, the scampy <laughs> the scampy fries revealed a sort of drawing of a fishing boat, and the K peanuts revealed Donna a from topless Ch- lady Donna from Chelford's Chebs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I could bring that back into your memory. Oh, my life. Um, <laughs> diff- d- different times. Oh my life. Uh, okay. Next one then. So the James Co- the James Cosmo Award for being in everything Scottish. So there's 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 an obvious choice and there's a sort of um a sort of sleeper as well for this one. Okay. So my obvious choice was John Gordon Sinclair and yeah. my sleeper choice was Douglas Sackinen. Yeah, yeah. But probably I know the, the the kind of better sleeper choice is probably uh, Tom Mannion, who plays the doctor. Because mm. he's mm. his IMDB is vast and varied. The Jake McQuillan McCafferty, your tease it award. Uh, there's no violence in this at all. I, I, I literally went with the driver getting drugged because there's nothing <laughs> else and it's not even really a tease out. But yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's nothing, there's no violence or anyone, not even like a smack on the head or anything really. No, no. So no, everyone's, that's everyone's, what I went for. Everyone's pretty nice to each other. Well, I suppose there's a wee bit in the in the drying, in the drying terrace in the high flats when, uh, when Alec... Is disagreeing about what eight plus six equals. <laughs> True. <laughs> Maybe girl That's a sets, good point, actually. <laughs> girl sets about him. <laughs> You're miles off. The uh, the Francis Begbie Award for gratuitous swearing. I didn't get any swearing. Did you pick up any swearing? There's two swear words in this right. film. Okay. And it's impressive that it, if this is like a PG, because it's there's only two swear words and they're both F-bombs. Right. And the first one is when uh, Vic is telling Billy about the, the plan for the van and he takes him down to the train tracks. Oh, yeah. And the train passes. And again, that's another <laughs> Bill Forsyth bit. This whole thing of him <laughs> explaining. And the train goes past and then Billy goes, I didn't hear any of that. <laughs> yeah. 
and Vic oh, goes, yeah. fuck's sake. That's right, um, yeah. <laughs> But the, my favourite is when they are, um, they're in kind of the, before the heist, and they're in kind of the, the den, and they say to, um, I can't remember who it is, but they say to the guy, what's that for? And he goes, oh, it's, this will disable the alarm. Hmm. So I do this, and I do this. What does it do? It puts the alarm system out of action completely. And how does it work? Find the main fuse box inside the warehouse. Yeah. Locate the fuse for the alarm circuit. Yeah. Let me throw this box at it. You should knock it, you fuck. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, again, another <laughs> uh, classic sort of Bill for sight bit of humour. <laughs> because the best part of that is, after he's delivered that whole speech and he just ends with knock it to fuck, about 30 seconds later, you hear someone off camera say, what does that box do? And he starts the speech again with the same... <laughs> um, archetypal Scottish moment. Right, I have... Um, I have possibly a, an, a strange one that I need okay. you to confirm. So what have you got first in terms of that? Well, I, I was going to go with uh, running from the police. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, then I, but then I changed my mind to the bakery order. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, you know what? That's a good point, actually. The bakery order. I did think about the bakery being a kind of a, a, a Scottish thing. Yeah. I think it is. Really. Uh, it's not. Yeah, yeah very much. Massively so. is. Um, okay, so I had the bakery order. Mm-hmm. However, I did think, and I've tried Googling this, and I cannot find any answer to this. And you you watch a lot of kind of 70s, 80s cop shows, you know, like The mm. Professionals or The Sweeney and yeah. stuff. And So you'll be able to help with this. <laughs> at the at the end, once the, the robbery's taken place and the police have got involved, mm. we see a few shots of Strathclyde police motorcycle cops with yeah. a red jacket like super cop from yeah. scotch and rye yeah is that a scottish thing is that a glasgow thing those red jackets because i cannot remember seeing english cops on motorbikes wearing those red jackets i think it might be because my, the only scottish bike cop that i ever saw with a red jacket before i saw that, that sinking feeling was ricky fulton doing super cop on scotch and rye yeah. so i think i think there's a strong possibility that you're right and that is a particularly scottish thing if any of the listeners know for sure then get in touch and let us know confirm um but yeah i think you might be right there i've tried googling it but obviously mm. when you google like police red jacket motorbike <laughs> glasgow it comes up with some like fetish leather wear <laughs> and stuff and i'm like okay I, I don't know what i'm looking at here but i, yeah. I just wondered but as soon as i saw it i was like it's super cop and then i mm. then i think like wait a minute i haven't seen those red jackets anywhere else and i i do watch some 70s 80s cop things yeah, yeah. not i think you probably watch a lot more than i do so i just wondered if you had seen that anywhere else i, I no. just i do not remember ever seeing it anywhere else no i've never seen it anywhere no yeah. so i think you're probably right um yeah i think you're probably right just before we got to the last one, so the the whole bakery thing, having lived in England and obviously Greg's the Bakers, which comes from Newcastle and is sort of tipped to toe in the UK now, up from mm. you know, they don't have as many cakes and biscuity things as a proper neighbourhood Scottish bakery would have. So mm. 
um, I can confirm that that does feel quite Scottish as well. Um, and then the last award, then who do you think? Who do you, who was your choice to win the film? Um, I gave it to initially. I gave it to Robert Buchanan as Ronnie. Mm. In fact, no, initially I gave it to John Hughes as Vic because okay. Vic kind of steals the film for me. However, <laughs> I changed my mind. Um, okay. And then thought maybe Robert Buchanan, and then no, I am. Um, we won the film, Greg. We won it. We won as as a, a worldwide audience because this film gave us Gregory's Girl, Indeed, local yeah. hero, and comfort and joy. Yeah. So without this film, they wouldn't exist because it gave Bill Forsyth the money to make those films. So at the end of the day, we won this film because we got to have those things, and that's where I kind of ended. But yeah. uh, John Hughes is Vic. <laughs> <laughs> I um, yeah. Well, I was just I was going to just leave it on that moving and profound. Um, uh, I, I mean, I I gave it to uh, Rabbi Khan. I just thought he's you know he's uh, you know he, he's leading the film. I'm sure he would say himself that it's not exactly a it's not exactly like a tour de force performance <laughs> of uh, of acting chops. But that said, he um, you know like he's he seems quite relaxed and. You know he's you know he's he's sort of comfortable leading the film, yeah. and he he's you know and he's also very comfortable as part of that sort of ensemble that company of guys. They probably all know each other really well from the mm. GYT. You know some of those guys he might have known since might have known each other since they were wee laddies at school. Um, so yeah, I, th- I thought he did a good job, but I liked I, I liked your point about us winning the film. We never win anything yeah. when we do when we do the cup when we do the podcast. So <laughs> I, yeah, I liked that. I thought it was good. Yeah, no, I just thought it was a yeah a good point. But I agree uh, with Rab as well. I think he, he did a, a brilliant job, and I think. Um, as I say, seek out the, the DVD commentary is on YouTube. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't show the film. It's literally just a, a still and then mm-hmm. the, the commentary is there. But obviously, if you've seen the film, you know kind of yeah. what's happening. Um, and he does say that that scene, that the opening scene is was the very first scene they filmed. And to mm. think that Rab, that's kind of his first appearance on film, and he is a bit awkward in that scene, but he also yeah. does deliver it quite well to the statue when he's talking about the, the curries he must have enjoyed at the <laughs> Kandahar. Kandahar. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, you know, he, yeah. he does a good job. And, and oh, fuck, an impressive fucking pair of flares that he's wearing there yeah. as well. Jesus. Yeah. I, think, I, think, I, mean, I think that year is probably the last... Probably the the last hurrah of the original time for the flare trouser. I know they came back briefly in the early nineties with the whole Happy mm. Mondays sort of baggy thing, but uh, yeah. yeah, I think that's probably the last the last hurrah of the original flare. Yeah, um, the late seventies. I think so. Well, wonderful. So that was that sinking feeling, and I'm so glad I got the opportunity to watch that again because yeah, uh, it was just wonderful. So, listener, uh, yeah. If, if you haven't seen that sinking feeling, then I, I would say check it out um, if you can. And as I say, and the DVD commentary is available on YouTube as well. Okay, well, on the next episode of The Culture Swally, we are hoping to have a lovely collaboration with another Scottish podcast. So look out for that in your feed, possibly next week. I don't want to say anything in case it doesn't happen, but I think it probably will. So we'll look forward to an episode there. However, our next proper episode will be our host. Ho, 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 
swally Christmas episode, won't it, Greg? So <laughs> it's your choice. So you're getting to pick the Christmas episode this year. So what are we going to be talking about on our Christmas episode of The Culture Swally? Well, I chose a film that has been described as Shaun of the Dead meets La La Land. Um, the 2017 uh, Christmas zombie musical directed by John McPhail and starring Ella Hunt and Mark Benton, Anna and the Apocalypse. So I've never, I've never seen it. So I'm quite interested to see what happens in this apocalypse. Yeah, never (laughs) seen that. I think I've only really heard of that. So, um, okay, good choice. Um, Yeah, I'll look forward to reviewing that on the next episode of this one. (laughs) You know, what's better than zombies at Christmas? That's exactly what we need, isn't it? Exactly. Okay, wonderful. Uh, Right, well, good choice, Greg. Um, Okay, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show and go and download and watch that sinking feeling whenever you can. And why don't you get in touch with us at The Swally? You can email us on cultureswally at gmail.com. Com, or you can follow us on social media at Culture Swally Pod on Instagram or at Swally Pod on Twitter. And please feel free to give us a little rating, review, subscription, wherever you get podcasts. And Greg, we have a wonderful website as well, don't we? We do indeed. Uh, you can find us at cultureswally.com where there's links to other socials and our email and some articles about interesting things. You can also see the late, the most up-to-date uh, Swally tally. Um, well, maybe not that up-to-date, but you can also see the Swally tally um, to see uh, which actors uh, are, are near the top. And, uh, and for everybody who does get in touch on Instagram and Twitter and, uh, and by email, thank you very much. It's always nice to hear from people and hear what they think of the pod. Um, everyone's been very kind and... Uh, Yeah, it's always nice to get a nice message, isn't it, Nikki? Right, well, I obviously need to go and update the Swally tally. I think (laughs) that was a little passive-aggressive dig at me there for not updating it. Um, It's okay. I've not updated the website for a few weeks, for a month either, so um, I put links to the last couple of episodes on there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I shall do. I will update the Swally Tally um, this week so that we're uh, we're all up to date. Because I think over the next, maybe not any apocalypse, but definitely the what I've got picked for a new year is going to have a few little additions to the Swally mm. Tally. Wonderful. Okay, right. Well, I think that just about sums everything up, Greg. Um, I think it does. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. And uh, I'll look forward to speaking to you next time. Yep. Till next time. I'm off for a bowl of cornflakes. Uh, <laughs> until next time. <laughs> we are sitting on a gold mine. Or should I say a steel mine? A stainless steel mine. Look, what's this area famous for? What's it well known for? Drunks. Muggles. Multiple social deprivation. Sinks! Stainless steel sinks! Hundreds of them up at Martin's Warehouse! Sinks worth a fortune!